0: It's a destination. We are finally here. Let's go. What is good, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Destination Dynasty. I am your gracious host, Scott Connor. You can find me on X at Charles Chill FFB. Check out everything at Destination Devi at destinationdevi.com. And always we have a bunch of content coming out on a weekly basis. Check out the articles, check out the podcast, both the Destination Devi radio feed along with the Wake Up with Ray G podcast feed as well. You get content daily on both feeds along with if you are in the Discord, which you can sign up for either the Dynasty Trades in 5 tier on the Patreon, patreon.com backslash gas or the Destination 5 tier on the website. You get extra content every single week in the form of weekly AMAs and weekly breaking news updates coming soon from the Trades in 5 crew. So shout out to the Trades in 5 crew. We'll be putting out even more premium content inside the Discord. And then always the Trades in 5 streams every Tuesday night, 8.30 to 10. Anybody that has been paying attention uh, has seen us go live more often during the week when there's breaking news, uh, bonus content as well. So a lot coming from the crew at Destination Debbie and at Trades in 5. And we're coming up to the Fantasy Playoffs. We are now three more weeks remaining. Once week 11 ends, we will be three more weeks until we get to the Fantasy Playoffs. And it is time to start focusing just a little bit for some of your dynasty teams on the off season. So most of the content over the next couple weeks, probably the next couple months, to be honest, is going to be focused on off season prep. There's going to be some talk about what to do maybe for the rest of the year, but a lot of the week to week, day to day trade value, buy low, sell high. A lot of the player talk, a lot of the trade analysis, a lot of that is going to be on trades in five. This show specifically, is going to be focused more on roster construction. And we're going to start with that today, but we're also going to do an off-season prep series, which will tie into the roster construction series, which I'm going to begin today. And that's what today's episode is going to be, is tight end roster construction. And there's a reason I'm starting with tight end. And I think it's because there is maybe a misnomer about how the tight end landscape is changing a little bit, or how maybe this has been a year for the tight end landscape to explode. We've seen rookie tight ends produce. We've seen maybe more tight ends emerge than maybe we expected. But when you really look at the data, not has a lot changed when it comes to tight ends. So we're going to talk about tight end roster construction, and we're going to do it through a couple lenses. uh, Very similar to the roster construction series that I did last year. I will link the episodes here. So if you're listening to this and you have not listened to that, stop go back, listen to last year's tight end roster construction, where I kind of talked about the flex value of tight ends and kind of how to roster construct in different formats. I'm not going to do that here because that data honestly hasn't changed all that much. It really hasn't. The numbers are pretty much the same. The tight end production and distribution is very similar to what it has been in the past. So in general, that hasn't really changed. But how I roster construct, the data is too overwhelming that my roster construction is going to be a little more extreme. And if you listen to last year's show where I talked about roster construction strategy at tight end, you will notice a couple differences. So if you can catch those, point them out to me uh, and let me know what you think about it. But we're also going to use the war tool. We're going to look at the three year historic war. We're also going to talk about how that can help you guide your tight end roster construction, but also viewing tight ends as a potential investment in rookie drafts. We'll hit on that a little bit in this episode as well. So check that out. And then also I did do a destination dynasty episode earlier this year, where I also talked about tight ends, where I talked about roster construction and maximizing tight ends or maximizing your war at the position at the tight end spot in your league. And that was on September 25th of this year. So it was the September 25th episode of destination dynasty also kind of talks about a little bit of this same stuff, It's only a couple weeks into the season, but it literally talks about some of these ideas that I'm going to further expand upon here in this show. We're going to get started and we're going to talk about a format that we always use on Trades in Five as our stock. And other people may not use this as their stock format, but I think it brings a little bit of depth into play, but also brings a tight end bias or at least some scoring that makes people think they need to respect the tight end. And I think that's big. Because if it's a league where everyone just says tight end doesn't matter, the roster construction doesn't have as much of an impact because the market is not going to change probably away from that. So even people that have no clue what they're doing from a roster construction standpoint, or more importantly, they don't have a plan, they're still going to arrive at this conclusion easier because they don't think the tight end premium matters. So what we're going to use, and you can plug this into the war tool, it is 12-team super flex, start 11, 30-man rosters, And it's 0.75 tight end premium. So you add 0.75 to the PPR for the league and you get 1.75 for tight end catches. And you can throw something of a similar nature into a sleeper league, create one real quick under your sleeper name and throw it into the war machine and take a look at it. The only thing I changed was the additional 0.75 for tight ends. So 12 team super flex, start 11, 30 man rosters, 1.75 tight end premium. Everything else, just sleeper stock standard scoring. It's four minus one and PPR for everything else. So we're going to use that as the baseline. Here's where we're going to start. We're going to start by looking back at the three-year historic war for the tight end position and what that looks like. Now we're looking at true war here, right? So we're not looking at the war from a perspective of what you're actually capturing. We're looking at the true war of the tight end position. Now, if you go back to that September 25th episode of this year, I talked about how to capture the war and how to maximize capturing that war in your lineup. So we're going to expand on that in this show, but we're talking about roster construction here. We have 30 roster spots to play with. And let me just throw this caveat out there, because I'm going to put this in there in every episode. Roster construction is just An optimal. It's a push and a pull. You do not have to be completely overtaken by roster construction to where you know where you want to be and you always have to get there. In fact, when you get to the season, if there's ever a time to stray a little bit, it's during the season where things may happen, where values may change, things may take time for you to do. You may go above or below your optimals from a roster construction standpoint because of a temporary value thing. And that's okay. But understand as we get to the off season, we want to at least have an idea of what direction we want to head because it helps you make future decisions when you get to trades, when you get to rookie drafts, it helps you make future decisions as to here's how I want to properly construct and where to make the bets within my roster. The reason I'm starting with tight end is because honestly, I think it is the easiest of the four positions to assess. And I also think that based on the current market, and this is why I want to use a 1.75 tight end premium, I think even based on a current market, that it is the easiest to navigate in terms of what the trade values are. So we're going to just remind everybody with that, that it is not a number where you have to obsess to be. It's more important to be carrying value on your roster in short periods of time, but also understand how to use roster Construction as to when do I want to maximize the liquidity of that value? When do I want to say, okay, it's time for me to liquidate one of these players at one of these positions where maybe I'm a little outside of my optimal construction. So we'll start by looking at the war. And I think it's important to look at the war in this format. That's why I tell everybody to create a league, create a sleeper league, a standard sleeper league, and just update the tight end premium to one75 And then the other thing I did change was I did add the bench spots, made it 19 bench spots, added a super flex, made sure it was start three receivers, pretty much a stock format, but make it a 12 team, start 11, 30 man rosters, super flex, 1.75 tight end premium. And then pull up the war graph and you'll notice a couple things right away. The first thing you will notice is when you look at the tight end distribution against the other positions, The tight end position at the very, very top. So we're talking about the tight end one relative to the number one player at all the other positions is right there at the very top. So it's higher than the quarterbacks, higher than even the running back one, and just below the wide receiver one. But then you notice the position starts to dip from tight end two; it dips below all the other positions, slightly below. The running back and then continues to dip below all of the other positions until it intersects with quarterback at quarterback 13. And I talked a little bit about the quarterback scoring in my latest Destination Debbie article. It's important, and we'll talk about this on the quarterback construction show four point versus six point passing touchdown leagues. Here it's four points. So this intersection point happens between tight ends and quarterbacks a little bit earlier in the landscape. But nonetheless, from tight end to all the way down to tight end 13 using historic war tight ends are below all of the other positions so from a true contribution wins above replacement even if you just want to say basic points per game or sheer points to your roster the tight ends are the lowest of the four positions in scoring then you continue to go down at tight end tight end 14 and below You're now below one war for the year, and this is true war. So one war for the entire season if you started this spot every single week. And I think that's key to remember that. This true war number, so for tight end 14, it's 0.93. That number is reflective of if you started tight end 14 across the entire season. That's how much wins above replacement you got from that individual position. You captured 100% of it because you started that player 100% of the time. Now, as you look at the trend line, it continues to go down and down and down to the point where it gets to zero war right around tight end 23. And one thing you'll notice is in a four point per passing touchdown league like this one, tight ends and quarterbacks at this level. So tight ends and quarterbacks below quarterback and tight end 13 almost have an identical line to where they are interchangeable. So that's something to think about that in a super flex league with this quarterback scoring, you're going to at least take tight ends in the streaming slash, I'm not really sure when to start this guy range, very similar as you would quarterbacks. Now that's more of a dissection for the quarterback episode, so I don't want to get too much into it right now. It's more of a reflection on how invaluable the quarterbacks are in that range versus the tight end. But I want to really focus on this tight end 2 to tight end 13 range. Because that's probably the range where the majority of people are deciding, what do I do with the tight ends in this range? When you get lower than that, we'll hit on that tier at the end of the episode in terms of value versus production if you go down below that point. But I think it's important to focus on this range from tight end 2 to tight end 13. So let's just make a couple assumptions. One, the higher up you are on this chart, so tight end two, three, four, five, the higher end you up on that chart, the more likely you are to capture all of that war. Think about the person that drafted Mark Andrews, the person that drafted TJ Hawkinson, the person that drafted even next year, Sam Laporta, Dalton Kincaid. Those guys will be drafted at a spot where the expectation is they are my starting tight end. Meaning the teams that are on the higher end of that range, they have two advantages. One, they're getting more war from the position. If you draft Mark Andrews at tight end three and he doesn't get hurt, unfortunately he got hurt this year, but let's say he doesn't get hurt. He gives you tight end three numbers on average. He gives you 2.41, which is what it is historically over the last three years. But more importantly, you started him every week. If you have Mark Andrews, you're starting him every week. Rarely, if ever, are you saying I'm not playing him. The only scenario might be he's injured and he's on a snap count. And then there's still going to be a very limited number of tight ends where you say, all right, I'm going to sit Mark Andrews for that tight end. So remember that the higher you are up on this curve, the more likely you are to capture the full amount of that war that's listed. Now, the further down you go, let's say you're down in the tight end eight range, tight end nine range. That is the range where you're getting about one and a half war for the season across an entire year. But if you drafted Pat Fryermuth, if you drafted David Njoku, if you drafted that type of tight end, you probably roster constructed in a way where you had another one. So let's just say you probably had certain weeks where you said, I can't start that guy. Even if I told you at the end of the year, Dalton Schultz, let's use him as an example. At the end of the year, Dalton Schultz is going to be tight end eight. 1.52 war historically, but how often did you start him? Did you start him early in the year when you didn't know anything about his quarterback? Did you start him maybe sometime during the year when you had a guy like Trey McBride emerge or another option that had a great matchup after he had a bad game? Did you maybe sit him in favor of another tight end? So as you go down, just human nature is going to say that the team that has the tight end eight although good, is also going to maybe only capture about 75% of that war because they may be tempted to start another tight end over that player. So think about that conundrum. You're going up against the team that has Mark Andrews, Dalton Kincaid, Sam Laporta. Those guys are drafted as, I'm starting them every week. Unless they get hurt, I'm starting them. Meaning, if those are the tight end two, three, four, those teams are getting... maybe 2.5 or more war from their tight end, but they're capturing 100% of it because they're starting them every single week. You, on the other hand, have decided to go, I'm going to kind of platoon my tight end position, the old platoon method. We think we are awesome at platooning because we envision this platoon system as, well, I'm going to draft the tight end 10 and the tight end 12, and then I'm going to listen to a bunch of content and I'm going to play the matchups. And really, if you take their combination of war, you don't want to flex tight ends in this range because what did I talk about a couple minutes ago? From tight end two all the way down to tight end 13. And largely, when you get to tight end five and below, you never want to flex those guys. Two through four, there's some flexworthiness, and I'll talk about that in a second as to why that might be an edge or why you might get a more of an edge by doing that versus flexing in the lower range. But let's just say tight end five to 13. There's no edge in flexing them. So if you're setting up a platoon system, that sounds great in theory. It sounds great like, hey, I drafted Dalton Schultz and I drafted David Njoku. And I'm going to platoon them, meaning one's going to give me on average 1.5 war and then one's going to give me on average 1.3 war. However, I'm going to play them in positive matchups to where if I only start 160% of the time, I'm going to capture 70% of their war because I knew when to start them. And then the other guy that I start 40% of the time, I'm going to capture 50% of his war. So instead of just getting the average war for the two players, I'm going to get a little bit more because I had an edge in sit starts, but we're not good at that. The platoon system oftentimes creates bias in our decision-making. And I would bet more often than not, we don't even get 50% of their average war. And what did you also do? There's an opportunity cost there because you've now wasted an extra roster spot at tight end by probably not wanting to flex this player. You don't want to go, well, I have Pat Fryermuth and David Njoku. I'm just going to flex one of them. That's suboptimal even in 1.75 tight end premium. So remember that you're not getting the war from the other one when you're not starting them. You're also using up an extra roster spot by just holding one on your bench And then finally, because these tight ends are still seen as quote unquote starter range, you're probably holding volatile value on your bench in the form of one of those guys that you probably could trade for like a second round pick, but they're on your bench. So just think about all the negativity that comes with that. The decision-making, not capturing the war, an extra roster spot used, and also liquidity that you could have in the form of a different asset call it maybe a draft pick. Instead, you have it as a volatile player that at any point could tear an ACL, at any point could get a concussion. You're essentially holding what you hope is a trade chip as a second tight end in startable range that you're not flexing when really you could put that in the form of another piece, in the form of a draft pick and use it as flexible capital during the season. And this is the conundrum that people get themselves caught up in because if you're trying to play this platoon system Think about the opportunity costs. Now, also the detriment is if you're wrong on the platoon system, sit starts, you're not even capturing that tight end eight to 10 war. So on average, I said it's around 1.4, right? But what if you only capture 1.2 of that war? Because you made some bad sit start calls. You sat Dalton Schultz on a couple weeks where he blew up. You sat Jake Ferguson in a couple weeks where he had two touchdowns. Like you didn't capture even 50% of the war. So, you've now doubled and tripled down on this strategy, this platoon strategy, and you've actually lost out relative to the person that just started Dalton Kincaid every week. You've actually lost more than the difference between the tight end three and the tight end eight or tight end 10 because you've lost the extra roster spot and you've now had to make a decision in a spot where you really don't have to make a decision. So, I think that idea is key. So, when you get to how to roster construct, obviously, My strategy is if you're going to get one of these elite tight ends, which I think a lot of people go into the year saying, oh, man, I'm going to really try to get that elite tight end because if I can do that, I'm going to be good. I'm going to have an advantage over everybody else at the position. That's fine. I understand that. I understand chasing that war. I understand doing that same thing at running back. I think the positions are very, very similar, both tight end and running back. But here's the thing. If you're going to do that, that is the bet that you're making. You are making the bet that that player stays healthy, you're making the bet that that player produces at the level that you're expecting. And you're not over that bet by saying, well, if there's an injury, man, what am I probably going to have to do if there's an injury? I'm going to have to go to replace that. And people have seen it with Mark Andrews getting hurt. They immediately go, how do I replace it? How do I replace one of these elite tight ends that gets injured? And the answer is you don't. The only way is go and get one of the other two, three, four guys in that range And you have to depend on someone in your league willing to trade them, And you also have to probably be willing to pay the tax on top of the guy that you have that got injured. So let's say that happens. How do you fix it? Well, that's the risk you take, one. But two, you essentially just go down into this quote unquote below streamer range. Or maybe you call it just the streamer range where you're below that tight end 13 range that I was talking about. So anything below one war probably You're down in a range where tight end 14 through 22-ish. Those guys are going to give you between 0.2 and 0.9 war for the season. But if you think about that, if you can trade for a player, and this is after you've lost your elite tight end, you are probably better off just replacing your lost Mark Andrews, your elite tight end, with... The next best tight end that you can get at a cost that is extremely reasonable, meaning what you don't want to do is go pay more cost for the tight end eight than the cost that it would toss you to get the tight end 15. Most likely, that is going to be seen as a range that is much more difficult to buy into. And the war really says there's not that big of a difference. Tight end eight, 1.52, tight end 15. 0.9. So we're talking about 0.6 WAR for the season, and that is still subject to that. Am I making the decision in that range? Because the person that has the tight end eight may also have the tight end ten. In the example that I said, they're having to make a sit start decision. You, you just go, hey, I lost Mike Mark Andrews. I'm just going to go replace him with another tight end. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to start that tight end the rest of the year, and I'm going to lock in at least. I'm going to lock in that war that I already know that spot is going to give me without worrying about, do I go and get two of them to try to make up for one elite? That's the theme: Two tight ends that are you think are strong candidates to be like top 10, top 12, do not make up close to what you think they make up against an elite tight end. The only thing you're really paying for in that scenario is the lack of having to go do something else if one of them gets injured, because then you just start the other one and you capture the war that that one is going to give you for the rest of the year. So that's roster construction with a high end tight end with a mid tier tight end. How do you want to play it? Because I've just spent the last 10 minutes giving an example about how you do not want to be carrying two tight ends in the tight end. I don't know, six to 15 range because Because those are players that you could probably go out to the market in a 1.75 league. Someone might give you a second. Someone might give you more than a second. There's a few tight ends in that range that someone may give you a first. And you're sitting there looking at the war distribution saying, man, do I really want to store this type of player on my roster? Given the fact that someone is out there willing to give me two seconds for this tight end, and I can go replace it with a tier below at the same position, and I can lock in 90% of the war just because it flattens off so much. So you look at this and go, okay, do I ever want to draft two tight ends in that range? No. What I probably want to do, if you're talking optimal here, is I want to go a tier below that or at least draft one tight end in that range and then find the cheapest replacement value tight end that I can get outside of the top 15. And that is my backup. That is my emergency contingency. If something happens, I'm starting now Hunter Henry if I have an injury. But I want to make it a tight end that it's a lowest common denominator player. Maybe a step above a guy I can pick up off waivers, but low enough to where at any point I could go buy a similar player for a third. I could go buy Tyler Higby. I could go buy Hunter Henry. And I'm just giving examples of players that kind of fit into this range in the past. I can go get that at any point that I need it. I never really want to carry that on my team other than maybe one of them. So I think that's the solution that goes for no matter where you invest in your first tight end. My takeaway from this year is I never ever want to carry more than two tight ends on my team when I'm in optimal roster construction. Now people will say, well, that means, man, if I get to the draft, and I have an opportunity to take a tight end, does that mean I don't take one if I already have two on my roster? Not necessarily. You have to look at these things as being very fluid. You may think your two tight ends in March fit in a certain category, and then come August, they don't. And that's why you can kind of abandon this a little bit if you have a plan from a construction standpoint, understanding that I really never want to carry more than two tight ends, When I'm just chasing my optimal construction, but there's exceptions when I go, there's a value proposition that I really can't pass up. There's a value proposition that forces me to basically go, Hey, I'm going to go carry an extra tight end here because of that reason. And I think that's a huge, huge thing to focus on is don't worry about your roster construction If there is a short-term window where you say the value proposition makes me want to go against the optimal, that's super key. Meaning if somebody is willing to make a trade with you and you're acquiring a third tight end and you go, you know what, because of this tight end premium, I can probably go through and flip one of those tight ends. Understand that the reason you want to flip it is because of the construction that we're talking about. But that doesn't mean don't violate the, I really don't want to carry more than two tight ends. But be careful because one of the most common mistakes I see In 1.75 or even higher tight end premiums, is well, it's a tight end premium. And thus, I'm going to continue to churn and burn some of these really low end tight ends. I'm going to pick up Jeremy Ruckert. I'm going to pick up Elijah Higgins. I'm going to pick up Josh Wiley. And I'm guilty of it. You'll see me during the season sometimes pick these guys up and I go, what do I really have them for? Because then I go do an episode like this and I start looking at this data and you say, even if one of those guys hits, What does that mean? Where do they have to hit? When you pull up the war graph, where do they have to hit for you to say they're usable? And really, they got to crack that top 15-ish. And the odds that you pick up a bunch of tight ends in that range, and even one of them gets close to that range, are extremely long. Really, what you're picking them up for, and this is where I'm saying abandon the number, if your league is like this, where you're picking them up for is... Someone else may think they can get there. And of those five tight end stashes that I have on my team, one of them I may be able to sell for a future second. One of them I may be able to add into a deal to get something that I want. One of them I may be able to sell for a third. One of them I may be able to sell for a spot start quarterback or a spot start running back. But that should be what you're thinking about going in. Not, I'm going to draft a tight end in the fourth because they could hit they could hit and become a decent player. Okay. Then what? You already can look at the war and say, really? Other than a, I'm going to throw them in just because they really have a challenge ahead of them to get above that range. You know, you can think of the times where you go, I have two tight ends. They both got injured. I'm just going to throw one in. That's really The next step up after you lose one of those top 15 tight ends, it flattens off so much that you basically say, I'm just going to pick one up and throw them in. But largely those guys don't have a lot of value. So if you're going to stray away from the two tight ends, just make sure you're analyzing why and be realistic with yourself. When you say I draft that stash tight end in the fourth round of the rookie draft, who was a fifth round NFL pick, just realize probably what you're betting on is a player that you can flip later on because it's 1.75 tight end premium. So then you have to do the analysis of, is that a player that has a profile that someone will want to buy in the future? So thinking about all those things, that's where you have to really be honest with yourself about your construction. And this is something I'm going to have to clean up on some of my teams. You go through and you look at, well, what do I do with this team that has five tight ends? It's a two PPR for tight ends. We're We're not talking about start two. So let's let's stray away from any thoughts of start two tight ends. That's a whole different discussion. For purposes of this, we're just talking about a start one with a tight end premium. I have some 1.75, but more importantly, some two PPR leagues that are start one, and I'm rostering four or five tight ends. And I really have to be honest about those teams and go through and say, why? What is the path? What is the path as to why I'm carrying four extra tight ends on this roster? Because the numbers say there is no path. The only path is, could I sell this player for some sort of liquid value going forward? So really think about that. I think that's the biggest thing to drive home about this is of my 30 roster spots, I really only want to carry two when I'm looking to the optimal. And one thing I wanted to discuss, we're going to go back up to the top. We're going to go back up to that top. Tight end one, that's in a stratosphere of its own. That's largely just been Travis Kelsey over the years. Uh, But when you go below that, I want to talk a little bit about some advantages that you can also do with construction. If you're going to stray away from just the, I'm only carrying two tight ends, this doesn't violate the two tight end rule, but there's some merit to this in a 1.75. So really take notes on this. If you're playing in a 1.75 or above premium, there's actually, if you run the numbers on how it shifts the median average war, if you were to say, Draft Mark Andrews and Dalton Kincaid. Now, there has to be a cost benefit analysis here. How expensive are they? But let's just say you already had Mark Andrews and you ended up buying Dalton Kincaid at some point. So you didn't really pay like the premium market price, the startup price of where those guys are going to go next year. It's going to be pretty cost prohibitive to build with those two in a rookie draft or in a startup draft because you're probably going to have to pay a pretty penny in a format like this. To get both. But let's just assume you have both. How have you kind of shifted the market? So let's go back to that example where I said the tight end two, 3.15 war on average, if you start them every week. Now, the good news is you're starting them every week. So you've captured that 3.15 war. So that's a pretty legit advantage against most of the other positions, right? But let's say you also have the tight end five on your team. Tight end five is probably good enough to where you can flex that player. Tight end 5 is comparable to running back 7, and it's comparable to wide receiver 13 through 15. So you're talking about like a low-end wide receiver 1, high-end wide receiver 2 range, or a mid-tier RB1. That's probably flex-worthy in this format. It certainly is. Certainly going to be in a range where you can flex those players. So what have you now done if you have both of them? Assuming you're starting both tight ends, So as far down as you're comfortable going, so let's call it maybe tight end seven, eight, maybe down inside the top eight, top 10. That is the max range where you're probably going to say, I'm willing to flex them. So let's just say it's top eight. Anything below top eight, you're getting into the point where it's like, that's probably more of the platoon system. And I already talked about how I really don't want to platoon. I also don't want to carry more than two. However, if I have two of the top six tight ends, What this does is it actually removes one of the few options. Let's say you had Mark Andrews. He's tight end too. 3.15 war historically. If you remove another one of those tight ends that is in the range that could dent you if you're playing against the other person's tight end is the tight end four. That person is probably starting a player that on a weekly basis, and again, I'm giving season-long numbers here, 3.15 versus 2.2. That would be the tight end two versus the tight end four. On a week-to-week basis, those guys probably have a very similar chance to produce the same war in a given week. So if you're going up against one of those guys, your advantage for certain weeks may really not be that high. But think about your advantage now if you have two of those guys on your roster. You've secured one as your starter. You're flexing the other one. And we've already identified that you're able to flex those tight ends in that range in this format. You've also now removed one of the biggest threats on the market that could be on another team. And what you've done is because now you've taken the other 11 teams, the average or the median average war that is available to them because you have two of the top four on your team, what's available to them, the median average goes down. I didn't look at the specific amount that it goes down, but it's probably 0.3 war or something across the rest of the league that it goes down in terms of the average expectation for all the other teams. And there may only be one or two teams now that can come close to matching you in war at the tight end position. So if you think about it that way, there is some merit. And I'll leave it at this. If you choose to go elite tight end, and again, this is cost dependent. You have to know your market. You have to be able to anticipate your market. And I'm going to talk about the market here at the end of the show. If you were going to go early tight end, if you were saying, you know what? I really believe in the offense for the bills next year. I'm taking Dalton Kincaid at tight end three. And then you say, I'm tempted to take another tight end. Cause Sam Laporte is sitting there at tight end four. It's actually a more pragmatic move for you to take that risk. And again, these are just player examples and we're talking historic war that's been taken in hindsight. So it's not predictive, but let's assume that those two tight ends are both top five. The advantage you've gained by just having both of them and pushing the group down for the rest of the league is bigger than I actually anticipated in the past. Now that still doesn't mean that I want to violate the more than two tight ends. I don't want to get cute. I've seen people get cute in these formats where they draft three tight ends in the top six and then they say, I'm going to totally control the market. Generally, what happens there is that people are just like, well, I'm going to just let that team have the tight ends and good luck with them. They can try to beat everybody with those three tight ends, but rarely is somebody going to go, man, you have three of the top five tight ends. I need to get one of those so I can match one of yours. Let me go Overpay in the form of an advantage that I have over you to get one of your tight ends when you have three of them. Like, people don't behave like that. Think about your leagues. How often does the person who hoarded tight end or hoarded quarterback get rewarded with the godfather offer that really helps them in the range that actually is what they want to move away? If anything, what typically happens with those is people hoard. They over hoard and they think there's going to be a window where they can go trade from the stuff that they don't really want, but they think other people should want more because the supply and demand has been impacted by how many they've drafted. And the way you beat that person is you basically just let time and attrition erode away the value that they have. Things move too fast in Dynasty to say, well, I drafted five quarterbacks or I drafted five of the top 15 tight ends. Odds are, if you just wait that person out for six months or a year, the market is going to change to where they're no longer going to have that over time. Like player values and player performance is just not that sticky to where you can say, I'm going to be able to exploit people and maybe not this year, but next year, because I drafted all these elite tight ends. Well, what if two of the five you drafted got injured, and took a big downturn. Well, in turn, you now can't move those guys. You're probably doing the analysis and saying, ah, man, I probably should just hold them because their value has been destroyed so quickly. Now you're forced to trade one of the ones at the top that are probably giving you the war that you wanted to begin with, but that's the only thing people are going to want to trade for. Especially as more people start to understand construction at tight end, they go, I don't really want to trade for the tight end ten. I'll trade for the tight end three if you're willing to trade them. But if you're trying to hoard all these tight ends and you have the tight end three, five, 10, and 12, which one are you going to want to trade based on this data? You're going to say, I'd probably rather trade the 10 or the 12. And a smart person is going to say, I don't really want to trade for the 10 or the 12. I'll just go find one cheaper and start that guy. It's not that big of a difference. And this leads into the final discussion as to why it's still risky to invest early in tight end and go with multiples in that range. It can work. If it works, here's where it doesn't work. And this is what I want to leave everybody with in this episode is the reason I'm so conservative with construction at tight end. The reason I don't want to carry more than two is because generally the liquidity for this position is much lower. The liquidity of being able to say at any point, I have a tight end on my roster. He's an average performing tight end. He's Kate Otten. He's Hunter Henry. He's Logan Thomas generally, the liquidity with those guys is very, very suspect. Rarely can you go through and say, man, I really need to move Hunter Henry in my league. Can I get a third? Now on paper, you look at the war and you say, I should probably be able to get a third. If anything, the team that's constructing on the very slim end, they may have a reason to trade for one of those guys if they can get them for a third. But if they're not, you're now sitting there going, man, I have." Four tight ends, two of them are in this range that are unplayable, but I'm trying to sell them to other teams just to get out. I don't want to carry for. And I talked about on that September 25th episode where I had a team that ended up in this situation where I ended up with basically four tight ends and three of them were in this range of I'll take anything for them because not only can I not even trade them for a third, but they're killing me. They're wasting a roster spot, they're wasting two roster spots. I'm carrying five tight ends in a 1.5 tight end premium start one. And I'm sitting there, I got Hunter Henry, I got Tyler Higbee, I got Greg Dalsich. They're worthless. You go and you try to trade them, who wants them? Nobody. Why would anybody want one of those guys? The only time they would want them is if they're desperate, and one of those guys is on a run where it's like, man, that guy's going to get a lot of targets. Think like Logan Thomas earlier this year. There might have been a week or two window where you could have traded Logan Thomas. And it was because there was a perception that he was a really, really good start until he's not. And then when he's not, the liquidity is gone. So generally, this is not a good position for liquidity in general, if you're stuck with extra tight ends. At the high end, we've just seen an example with Mark Andrews. He gets injured. Mark Andrews, even before he got injured. How close did Mark Andrews get you to an elite asset? Now, looking at the war, he is an elite asset, right? Right. He was an elite asset until he's not, until he's not giving you that war. He doesn't hold the elite asset value that gets you to the table for another elite player. Now I can look at this war and say, man, Mark Andrews, if he's a top three tight end, that is matching damn near every receiver in the league, except for maybe the top five or six. But you weren't trading Mark Andrews for CD lamb. You weren't trading Mark Andrews for even Amon Ross St. Brown. So when you look at the open market, the general vibe of the position really doesn't allow you to use the market to your advantage, both in the liquidity sense, but also in the great, I now have three top 10 tight ends. Let me go see if I can quote unquote sell high. And most likely it just doesn't get you to the table from an asset standpoint. That is why I'm so rigid on construction at this position. It's not because you can't win. It's not because they can't contribute to you winning based on the war, especially when the quarterback scoring is depressed like this. But again, it's like running back where you want to operate on the slimmest of margins and you want to make the bets that give you the most bang for your buck. Even if you lose the bet, what I'd rather do is lose the bet on the slimmest odds than pad my odds, but not really give myself that much of a higher range of outcome. And that's what tight end feels like. It's a lot like what running back feels like, although we'll talk about that in the running back construction episode, why it's a little bit different, but that's what it feels like at tight end. And that's why I'm so rigid on only carrying two. However you construct, whether it's one elite one and then one replacement level, whether it's the platoon method, which I don't love for the reasons that I outlined, but people do it constantly year after year. People go, I'm going to stay within my construction. And truthfully, if you want to play it that way, and you think one of the two guys you draft in the platoon range could end up cracking the top four, top three, then okay. The key with that is don't do more than the platoon, regardless of which way you do it. An elite tight end and a replacement level tight end, two elite tight ends, or two players in the platoon range. Or what I would probably do is, one player in the platoon range, and then one replacement level. That is the cheapest of the four scenarios. But all four of them include don't waste extra roster spots at tight end because of the reasons I outlined where the liquidity just isn't there at the position. So even if you go above two, you go above two because you pick somebody up that got dropped or you draft somebody on waivers, just keep this in mind. I think why it's so important when you get to a point where you're trying to optimally construct that you're only carrying two tight ends, however you get there. And I would urge everybody to pull the war up in your league because here I talked about a 12-team, start 11, 30-man rosters, 1.75 tight end premium, everything else standard sleeper. It's three receivers, but it's four minus one for passing touchdowns and interceptions. So you have to look at the tight end relative to the other positions. When you start getting into point per carry when you start getting into six point per passing touchdowns when you start getting into first down scoring for all the positions when you start getting into bonuses run the war look at the three-year average war and determine how what I said on this show applies to your league it may be different you may look at a graph where the tight ends are even lower because the other positions are boosted so even if your league says 1.75 i'm in a couple leagues that are two ppr for tight ends and the perception is tight ends are scoring a lot but then you look at the quarterback scoring and it's point per completion and it's six point per passing touchdown and it's 0.25 per carry and then it's 1.5 scoring for wide receivers when you have bonuses like that the other positions are dragged way up meaning the tight end is really just as relatively low as it would be in a ppr league So you have to adjust accordingly where the war stands in your given league. So run that, plug it in, look through and do this analysis and determine what's optimal. Then the hardest thing, and I do want to do a construction episode on this when I'm done with the four positions, is how to fix it once you've gone through and identified this for a couple of your leagues. Okay, I've identified it. I understand what I want to do. But then what's the process of getting there? And we'll do an off-season prep series that kind of talks about how to start pointing yourself in the right direction at each position once we wrap this up. So hope everybody got something out of this tight end episode. There's not a lot of tight end shows out there that are focused on the position. There's a lot of, quite frankly, lazy analysis in fantasy that just says tight ends don't matter. Get the elite ones. Yeah, everybody understands that. But I think it's important to analyze what does it mean on the back end. Sure, everybody can tell you to go get Travis Kelsey. Everyone can tell you to go get T.J. Hawkinson. Man, he's going to be a difference maker. But what do I do with all the other stuff? Because you're actually hurting yourself if you have T.J. Hawkinson on your roster and he's smashing, and you have four other tight ends, and you can't trade them. You keep using third round picks on tight ends. You have two stashed on your bench. You're just hoping something happens. But then you're like, man, this league no one values tight ends. So even if you know, this Elijah Higgins puts up a couple games at the end of the year, nobody's going to care. Sure, they'd pick him up for free, but you can't even get a third for him. Can't even get a fourth for him. So once you've run through that analysis, you just sit there and wonder, what's the path? Because then you look at the path and you go, it's really hard to get to the path where it actually matters. So what am I actually betting on? So it's not even the analysis, it's bad. It's just the ripple effect of how to construct around the tight end position, I think is what is lost. So hopefully everybody enjoyed this. Again, check out those other shows, the last year construction episode. You'll hear a couple things that differ from then and now. Uh, And then that tight end show that I did in week three. And I really talked about some of the application of how to get to the spot that you want and how to maximize the war in your lineup at the position. As always, follow everything at DestinationDevi.com. You get the bonus podcast inside the Discord. Uh, We go live Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday in the discord uh, with various shows. And then obviously destination chill is live uh, Wednesdays. It's now 8 PM Eastern on destination chill. We took this week off. because so some stuff came up, but we'll be back on the eve Thanksgiving Eve with another show followed by the AMA and the discord. So new time for destination chill, 8 PM Eastern time. Then of course the trades in five streams will be every Tuesday night, eight 30 to 10, and then subscribe to the YouTube channel for both. Uh, but specifically for Trades in 5, you will get bonus impromptu content during the week when news breaks. We'll do the Dynasty Newsroom every once in a while, talking about things that come up during the week and or weekend. So stay tuned, subscribe to that. Follow everything at destinationdevy.com And with that, we end part one of the roster construction series for 2023, focusing on tight ends. Not sure which one I'll do next, uh, but I'll be hitting the other positions and then doing a wrap-up episode. Here over the next month or so and with that I will go ahead and sign off for the week good luck to everybody that still has matchups up in the air in week 11 and be chill stirring